Hey, my name's Helen and you're listening to the Love Mondays Club podcast. If you're a fellow tutor, trainer or coach, then welcome. You're in the right place. Whether you're looking to start, grow or expand your online services, this podcast is for you. My goal is to help you build your business, earn more money and have more fun in this messy muddle we call entrepreneurship. Every Monday, I'm going to be sharing practical tips to help you accelerate your business. From marketing to mindset to money, we'll cover it all. So if you're ready, let's dive in. Hello and welcome to another episode of Love Mondays Club podcast. So I am joined by a very special and exciting guest today, Lucy. Hi, Lucy. Hi, Helen. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? <laughs> very good. Very good. <laughs> Lucy is a tutor who, um, so when I first started tutoring, of course, like everybody does, I went out there and started kind of looking at other tutors to see what they were doing. Um, just, you know, being when you're totally new to the world, you want to go and find out what other people and what opportunities are out there. And Lucy was on the first tutors I started following and not just because of how sort of professional and consistent she was online but she also led a very exciting life as a tutor and totally opened my eyes to the possibilities that were out there. So I'm really excited for Lucy to tell you a little bit more about this and to tell you what she's sort of been doing on her tutoring journey so far. So Lucy would you like to start off just by telling us a little bit about your sort of background and um, yeah how you got into tutoring? Thank you Helen that's so kind of you. So yeah I mean I'm a ex-class teacher. Um, I taught in the UK and I also taught in Dubai. In 2016, in, in January, I actually quit. I, I, I gave up. I left teaching. And it was a really, really challenging decision for me. At the time, it was, I was totally torn. I come from a family where everyone has, you know, an employed job. Self-employment was not something I knew about. But I just got to the end of my sort of resilience, I guess, to keep educating in the sort of the state school system. It was really sad, um, to be honest with you. And I sort of thought to myself, well, what could I do? Like many people, I looked at jobs in educational charities. I thought about going and just doing something totally different. But I was so disappointed that I actually love teaching, but it was just all the other stuff that was really affecting my want and my ability to keep educating in the classroom. Then I got into tutoring. So very quickly, I, I filled myself up with tutoring just from posting on like socials and things like that. And I absolutely loved it. And then I realized that like this thing called word of mouth kicked in and then everyone was telling their friends to speak to me and do tutoring. And I got some crazy opportunities to travel, which were just fantastic. But all the time at the beginning of my tutoring, there was this like little niggling thing where I thought my expertise is supporting autistic learners and really looking at creating a bespoke way that maybe the national curriculum doesn't present learning opportunities in the way that really inspires them. I felt that some of the work I was doing was heavily focused on 11 plus and entrance exams, 7 plus, 13 plus, etc. And I was just like, oh, I, I do really want to be a tutor. But also tutoring didn't quite fit at that point with my passion for education as well. So I, I decided that doing the traveling tutoring meant that lots of tutors started saying to me like, oh, could I come work with you? How do you get these opportunities? Um, so I started Education Boutique um, very short after um, starting individual tutoring myself. 
And it's just grown from there. And then last year, it was incredible. I was approached by eTeach, which is one of the largest education-specific jobs boards, should I say, in the UK and internationally. And they said, look, we want to get into tutoring, but we want someone specialist to do it. And so I'm really now proud to be like the specialist tutoring section of the eTeach group. So I love tutoring. It's totally changed my life. And so now I'm really, really focused on just making sure that people see the flexibility and freedom that tutoring offers and that it's not trying to, um, because, you know, there's a lot of people with the recruitment crisis in education in schools at the moment saying, oh, well, tutoring's taking good teachers out of the classroom. But I don't see it like that. I see it as we're not losing educators from education in general. We're actually managing, it's like a a net underneath, you know, it's catching people that, don't have decided they want to leave the classroom, but we're still going to benefit from their expertise in supporting students and inspiring them in their learning. Amazing. Thank you so much. I think there's there's so much stuff to kind of unpack there, but I think like, especially for me, just listening back, I mean, I've, I've sort of followed you, as I say, from 11 plus when you were tutoring that, doing all the way through to what you're doing now. And like, it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, how many how many years has, has it taken for you to sort of get from your 11 plus tutoring to here? I left the classroom almost seven years ago. So okay. on the 6th of January, it will be seven years. Yeah. <laughs> Is it an anniversary <laughs> you celebrate? Um, yes, absolutely. I'm super proud of, um, <laughs> you know, what we've created and any excuse for a little bit of a celebration is 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 good by me (laughs) (laughs) I totally agree I definitely have the first of February marked in my calendar every year as well as the kind of celebration of self-employment date and I think that kind of goes back to like what you were saying at the very beginning of your journey like I think so many people could resonate with what you're saying about like it's such a hard decision leaving the classroom and you know there's lots of conflicting emotions that go on Um, and also like you say like just taking that leap into self-employment can be really scary especially if you're not from a background where many people around you are doing it, it can feel a bit like a bit of a, a dive into the unknown. So were you tutoring a bit alongside teaching or did you sort of just go from one to the other directly? Yeah, I went from one to the other directly. Um, I Now I would always suggest to people that, you know, you dabble in a little bit of tutoring and then you, you know, then, then you can start to, you know, transition into doing it full time. But at that point, I really had had got myself into a situation where I don't think I would have had any hours or energy to actually do any tutoring and be any good mm. whilst I was teaching in the school. Um, I'd taken on quite a significant amount of um, sort of leadership roles and, you know, I was wearing so many different hats and I just was, I don't think I could have actually squeezed any hours in, maybe at the weekend. But again, I almost needed that time to, you know, do the marking, do all the paperwork, rest. I mean, what is that word when you're a class teacher? <laughs> but, you know, it was, it was really difficult. I was quite drastic. I'd saved up, I, I remember I'd saved up two months of salary, mm-hmm. um, the equivalent to two months of salary over a period of maybe four or five months. And I was just like, I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to do this. Um, and and I did, you know, I was on a, a short notice period because I just got back from teaching in Dubai um, and I worked at an academy free school. So the contracts are slightly different to usual um, class teacher if you're in a sort of local authority class teacher position. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I gave him my notice and um, yeah, I quit. But it was genuinely still today thinking of 
that time. Now I look back and I'm like, oh, you know, that was the best decision of my life. It was torturous though. And I think people want, I, I remember not sleeping. I remember thinking, oh my gosh, what am I, am I going to be able to even pay my rent? Am I, you know, and I, I and it wasn't really a big, a sort of a done thing at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and there wasn't that many people, you know, individual tutors that you could sort of really learn from. And that's something that I'm so proud of the tutoring industry for, like the progression and the development that we've all come on in terms of it's so collaborative now. You know, I often get people that are like message me on LinkedIn and say, hey, I'm thinking of leaving the classroom, you know, any advice? And, you know, I think that's so lovely to be able to share our knowledge and you know share our mistakes more importantly as well so that other people can also continue to um, educate in the way that suits them and suits their family as well yeah I totally agree with that and and I think as well that like especially when you do tutoring and you're sort of you know maybe just at the moment working for yourself like it can be a bit of a lonely job because especially if you're doing online tutoring you know you spend a lot of time in front of the screen yes you're kind of working with people you know on zoom and things like that but it's it's not quite the same is it and you know even people I sort of know who may be still in schools now can say you know it can be still a bit of a lonely job you spend a lot of time in that classroom by yourself apart from sort of nipping back and forth to the staff room and things so yeah I I really think over the past few years that the whole tutoring community has really sort of opened up and like you say become a lot more collaborative a hundred percent and also I just think you know when people say oh it's a lonely job it's like when people say oh home education or do they get social skills it's like it's what you make it so if you what if you choose like when I worked in a school I was pretty lonely as well because I every lunch break I was marking or I was doing this I couldn't go down to the staff room so everything's what you make it, you know? So if you identify that you want to tutor, but you're worried about it being isolated, well, join groups, get out there, you know, join social things. It doesn't have to be tutoring ones either, does it? You know, sometimes I think we pigeonhole ourselves into, oh, I've got to collaborate with other tutors. No, you can collaborate with whoever you want, you know, other business owners, anything. So I think it's just what you make it. And I think that's the cool thing. It's very, like we offer a bespoke curriculum, tutoring offers a bespoke way of working you know for educators yeah I I totally agree with that and I think as well that like I often say to people um like it is obviously great to be in these groups and communities with tutors but something something for me about two years ago I started going just to local networking events honestly I don't really know what I was trying to get out of it it was more just I think I wanted to see some other human faces (laughs) sort of maybe weren't just in the teaching space but yeah like you say it was a great opportunity and I think as well it opens your eyes just to like what other industries are doing, what sort of other ideas are floating around out there. And and again, like the beautiful thing with tutoring, isn't it, that we have the creativity, like you were saying, you know, to kind of give it that bespoke feeling and you can put so much more into it. And yeah, what's the harm in getting those sort of bits of inspiration from other people in other places? Yeah. And I strongly believe that educators and teachers have some of the most transferable business skills. Like Mm. I never thought of myself as a business owner, right? I you know I went to these networking events like you did I was absolutely shaking like a leaf when I started and like they have helped me grow and know how to talk about what I do and sort of to, to non-education people because if you're able to explain to an educator what you do that's like half the battle isn't mm-hmm. it but if you can go into a room and in like 50 seconds 
impart what you do and how you you know how it is that you're going to help other people I think that's the most powerful thing and learning how to tweak and change the vocabulary of what you use to suit different styles of event or occasion I think is is just like what teachers do every day right you're you're changing what you do uh, to meet the needs of your class and the way you present stuff will be different and so yeah I just think there's so many teachers out there who think oh I can could never do this because I was one of them as well. I thought, oh, you know, I'll just, I'll just tutor by myself. If you told me when I left the classroom, like this time last year, when I knew I'd had this time seven years ago, when I knew I'd handed in my notice and I was just about to be self-employed, I would have like laughed in your face if you'd said to me that, oh, in seven years, you're going to have been acquired by the largest recruitment company, who funnily enough, when I moved to Dubai, they obviously do a lot of international jobs. And I applied for a few jobs on the job site or on like with with um, eTeach and I didn't get interviewed. <laughs> and then and like seven years later, like, you know, well, actually nine years later, because when I was teaching in Dubai, you know, now I'm part of the group as the tutoring specialist. <laughs> and like education critiques with them I'm like what is that that's crazy (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing isn't it and I think do you know what I think there's such a powerful message in that as well that almost kind of two things to unpack there from what you just said I mean I think going back to the networking thing like as you say, being able to explain, you know, you you get, especially, it depends on the networking event, doesn't it? But sometimes you have those like 60 second pitches and things like that, which kind of filled me with dread initially. And I sort of babbled my way through them saying, God knows what, like you said, shaking like a leaf when you first go to them. <laughs> I think at the time, like I didn't realise it, but it's just like what you were saying. It's, it's all about sort of building that confidence to articulate what you do. And like, ultimately, those are sales skills. And I yeah. think that's something that a lot of people struggle with when they first start their own businesses as they think well you know like I hear it so often with my coaching that people say to me like I'm not good at marketing I'm not good at sales I don't like selling myself but like the reality is if you're going to run your own business like that is a huge part of it you need to be able to kind of show up and tell people like this is how I can help you this is what I can offer to you so yeah even if it's just to go to these events and practice your pitch like it's an amazing opportunity um to do I think And I think anyone who is listening to this who's like nervous about doing something in person, because don't get me wrong, I have massive social anxiety about putting myself out there like that in person. Mm -hmm. And it does take a lot of practice and everything. But that's why I got into LinkedIn because Mm. it was like my little testing the water for it's almost like become my little journaling you know people journal and you know sort of as a mindful activity or whatever but I genuinely use LinkedIn as like a form of business journal you know and I love looking back on you know things that I've engaged with I'm like oh my gosh yeah I remember that or oh yeah and you know I think that's really cool is that when you go into a networking event you know every post or every event like speech or whatever that you do you have to literally think just like you do in the classroom okay I've got xy child who has this need or this particular interest and how am I going to engage them and then you talk to the people that you're presenting to and you identify or just like poke into little problems that they could be having explain how you you know give reasons talk about stories it's just storytelling and if you think of it like telling a story then I feel that it doesn't fill me with the dread of like oh my gosh I'm selling myself I'm just like oh yeah there's these clients and they have this problem and here's a story about how I helped them um and it doesn't have to even be about me it can just be like 
understanding the funding helped me help them or whatever. So I think that's one of the ways that I've overcome that sort of panic of selling yourself, you know, to uh, selling what you do in a short, sharp way. You think, how can I possibly, with something as big as education, get that across in like 50 seconds? But mm-hmm storytelling is the way um you know so yeah I 100% agree and and I think as well I love I love the way you kind of framed it about you know whatever the social media platform is this idea of kind of treating it almost like your own personal diary and I guess you know the perks of it or benefits are like if people like and engage with it fantastic and if they don't well never mind the post will disappear within a day (laughs) won't it And I I think that's the thing, isn't it, with social media? Like so many people kind of, I guess, hold back from it because they feel like I don't have anything to say or I don't know what to say. And then, you know, maybe if they do put something out there and it doesn't get the level of engagement as another post they might have done, they kind of, quote unquote, might feel it like a bit of a failure or something like that. So I think that's a really kind of healthy and interesting way to approach social media is to treat it as kind of no expectations, like doing it for yourself. And and you'll be amazed how like naturally I think you'll attract people. And totally like you said as well, Lucy, like I think a huge part of like building up that sales confidence as well is that like I always say to people, you never know who's watching you. I mean, like it's it's, it sounds sort of creepy when you say this to people, doesn't it? But I I said this to you, Lucy, when we met, you know, in in person or recently, I was like, I've kind of been following you for a long time. And I don't mean that in a sort of creepy way. (laughs) And I was like, I've been listening to your podcast for ages. And you're like, oh, wow. No, but (laughs) I I do think that, you know, I I hate the word sales. Firstly, Um, I I do believe that with education, it's all about influence. Mm. I don't think it's about sales. I think sales has this, like tutoring does, you know, it's got this connotation where people judge it straight away and so Mm. those tutors out there you know what I mean and the way we think as educators of sales is the same way we've got these cold calling negative connotations and we've just got to reframe it like sales to me I don't ever think of the word sales because I still have those feelings towards that word I don't it's not a word I'm comfortable with like I also don't particularly like the word tutor but you know it's a piece (laughs) of vocabulary at the end of the day isn't it but if you think about influence and how you're going to influence other people to be confident to tutor or if you're going to influence a parent to feel that they actually are empowered to read with their child and ask open questions and things like that it's all about influence and that's what leads to them people going oh I need you to help me oh I need you to suggest this or x or y or z you know so that's for me the the way that I reframe sales to make it a little bit more educator friendly I think a hundred percent. And and I think as well, like what you're also saying there is like this idea, isn't it, of like when you're putting out all this content and you know, you're you're not sort of putting too much like, I don't know, sort of weight behind it personally, but you know that you're putting out stuff that's really helpful for your audience. And like ultimately that is building that trust factor with them. So that by the time they come to you and ask for services, I don't imagine you actually even need to sell to them, do you? It's more them asking you, How can I work with you? When do we get started? And then that's what everyone is looking for in terms of independent private tutors one thing I've learned massively I used to a couple of years ago be like we don't need to you know um we've got word of mouth that's our sales strategies and whatever and actually the last three years have taught me I was wrong because actually if you go out you send little 
friendly voice notes on LinkedIn or whatever, the opportunities that come are incredible, like bigger than you'd ever imagine. And you have to find the way to do it. I often do voice notes to people on LinkedIn who I haven't connected with before. And I know that I'm going to want to possibly work with them. It's a long process. It's not like you can just cold message them and be like, hey, can I pitch to you? But you start <laughs> engaging with them on LinkedIn. You send them a little voice note. If it's their birthday, you say happy birthday, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then when you go in and say, what, could I borrow a little bit of your time? You, know, I'd really love to have a coffee and just run something past you because I'm just interested in what you think. And because they've built up that trust, they think, oh, you know like this person think about how when someone comments on your post or your things on LinkedIn how does that make you feel you notice their name you Mm. think oh gosh they're following what I do how wonderful so then if you message it's warm already it's not like this like random cold message out of the blue so I think people don't often think about other people and the effect that their engagement has on other people to warm up connections as well yeah, I totally agree with this. It's it's funny actually. At the time of us recording this, um, literally yesterday, I, I did a post. I think it was on LinkedIn, and it was saying exactly like what you're saying here, Lucy, as well about sort of showing up. And and I think that yeah, we get so kind of focused in people engaging with our content and messaging us, and yet, like I've always thought, like the whole like the whole kind of concept of social media is to be sociable, and yet many of us aren't. You know, many of us rock up, kind of silently lurk and scroll in the background, post something and then run off and disappear again and then feel disappointed that maybe we don't get the results that we want from it. So yeah, I totally agree. Like I think that you reap what you sow and like the more you show up, the more it's getting you visible as well at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I think it. I, I, I could talk about LinkedIn all day, but I know there's other <laughs> things we want to talk about. But you know, like that, that for me, it's changed my life is LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And I'll catch say that because the way that I found you know eTeach were next door to me in the offices that I rented back when it was just me with Education Boutique was through LinkedIn the way that we got chatting was through LinkedIn the way that then you know we looked at me coming on board with them was through LinkedIn so you know it really if you just don't get anxious about stuff I know it's really easy to say but mm-hmm. be like yourself and I think what you said there is so interesting, actually, because I do feel that I see that so much. People say, oh, LinkedIn doesn't work for me. And then you look at your posts and you've never liked anything that anyone else has put up, <laughs> never engaged. And all you do is put posts up, say, saying, oh, I do X, Y, Z. Or maybe they do tell a little story, but then at the end, it's like, now click here to do it. LinkedIn is not that game. That is not what people want. That is for your business pages, your places that people are going to click straight away. LinkedIn is all about getting people to inbox you and message Mm. you directly. So LinkedIn, you've got to think of it like the content of your book. I think that's what people think. It's your content, but it's not. It's like the blurb. All your posts are just getting people to message you um, mm. and then when you have the message that's when you get that personal connection and then you can move on from there 100 i totally agree and this is the thing isn't it like social media i mean I, like you say i think we, we could talk about sort of social media tactics for another hour or two <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like each of these platforms does have a very different kind of role to play in our businesses and i and i think for lots of people listening especially when they're first starting they might be thinking well you know i've barely got time to keep up with one you know i'm just going to invest all my energy say just in 
in Facebook or Instagram. But that's definitely something I regretted doing in the beginning is I did only focus on one platform. And like I had all the fear about LinkedIn, like LinkedIn for me was like the grown up place, you know, (laughs) (laughs) where the grown ups go. I'm not very grown up at all. I don't know why I chose that one. (laughs) But yeah, like you say, I think, and I actually think that LinkedIn has come on kind of leaps and bounds recently. And I do, even in the sort of short time that I've been using it for the past year or so, like it feels like a, a friendly community place, which is something I think when I looked at it maybe five years ago, I didn't get that same sense from it. Um, but like everything though, like it's all about building your your tribe, your community, isn't it? Like attracting the people who are like you and want to work with you. Um, like that's good marketing, like attract who you want to work with and respectfully repel the ones you don't want to work with. Yeah. And like, if you, if you do speak to people that say, oh, you know, X, no, you know, whichever social media platform, oh, I don't really, you know, it's not a really good vibe. That's because of who you've connected with. That Mm. is your fault. You know, Mm. it's connect with people that you're going to enjoying seeing the, enjoy seeing the posts from to begin with comment on them, be interested in them. And then you might, you know, start connecting with ex people that you used to work with or whatever. But if you don't like the feel of something, I think there's a lot of people who don't ever, I spoke to someone the other day, I was like, have you ever unfollowed someone (laughs) or or unconnected with someone because you don't really like what? And and I said, well, no, because I connect with people. I think about, I get a lot of connection requests. If someone requests to connect with me, if they're in education or whatever, I pretty much accept, right? Mm. If I'm actually connecting with someone, I've never connected with someone where I haven't been interested in what they have to post. Mm. And I think that's uh, the best way to think about it. Definitely. It's it's boundaries, isn't it? It's sort of gatekeeping. And again, like when, when you run your own business, like it's there's so much stuff going on all the time. And like social media is it it is a huge free resource, which like everyone should be taking advantage of. But you want to make it a happy place for you to go and visit. Like you say, it's not if you're if you're logging into whatever platform and feeling that kind of dread or, oh, you know, this person saying this again and I don't agree with it and I'm scrolling past it, you know, you need to change it. You need to have a bit of a shake up and a clear out <laughs> yeah exactly yeah 100 <laughs> okay so we have actually totally in this episode gone off on a bit of a tangent here talking about linkedin but you know what i'm so glad we did because i think this is something that we don't talk about too much like you know a lot of this podcast i kind of talk about i don't know sort of like you know different offers and things you can put out with tutoring and things like that but i think this whole sort of professional networking side of it in the background is it's so important and and something that yeah we don't talk about enough so i hope that everyone's found it really helpful so i think just to sort of finish off i think what would be really interesting i think for the listeners is i know there's a lot of people out there who have sort of reached that point maybe where they're fully booked with one-to-one or they're they're sort of fully booked with their groups and they're kind of thinking like what next like how do i how do i take that leap or even how do i have the confidence to take that leap so what advice would you give to those tutors out there so tutors that are fully booked right yes so maybe are thinking about like you know when you set up education boutique like what was your sort of i guess process with that or what advice would you give to people who may be interested (laughs) in doing something similar absolutely i mean i'm first of all 
I'm not going to use myself as a model because it was not a decision. It just <laughs> happened. And so that's probably not, we're not in an environment now where you can do it like that. It has changed. Um, obviously, there's so much, you know, sort of new change coming in with all the BAS stuff. And that is something that people should be very, very aware of. Mm. Now, I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and give legal advice or financial advice, but quite frankly, once you start taking on board other tutors, you are going to be paying VAT once you hit that VAT threshold, right? Mm -hmm. So if you are an individual private tutor, I my first thing when when I sort of work with people to look at their you know, their progression and their scaling journey. And scaling doesn't mean taking on extra people. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason that people jump to that conclusion straight away is everyone, there's all these like businessy, you know, sayings, oh, you know, work on your business, not in your business and whatever. <laughs> like it's just, and in education, we are a different business. There's so much uh, advice out there that works in many sort of industries, but then doesn't quite hit the mark in education. And the reason for that is that I would always say, look at what you enjoy best, right? Because you are going to make the most successful business doing the stuff that you love, like mm -hmm. the stuff that just, you know, just flies past. You probably hardly have to even do any prep because you've probably done so much prep in the last you know in the last five years or whatever that you've been tutoring and things and you've got everything you know that's your little zone of happiness and the kids love it and the parents are raving about it so then I see lots of people who go oh you know I love doing special educational needs tutoring for example but maybe I should do 11 plus because there seems like a lot of work there and it's like why would you and I think it's that shiny object syndrome it mm. grass a bit greener or oh, maybe I can charge more per hour doing the entrance exams or maybe I can do this or that but if you then look at going deep into the thing that you are offering so don't try and do everything specifically specify what you are an expert in mm -hmm. and then you know consultations and being a consultant in that area you can start putting that as your premium product your tutoring becomes your middle sort of like ambery product. And then you've got your sort of like entry level things like courses, like mm -hmm. courses, things that just sit there. And I'm not pretending that like, no, I'm certainly not suggesting that people go out there and just make a load of video courses and put them out there. Because again, we're not in COVID. That is not a preferred thing for people right now especially if you're starting out and it's the beginning things. But what you need to do, if you've got, an, like I always give the waiting list as an example, if you've got a waiting list, how can you add value to those people on your waiting list? Mm. You know, there's so much you could do there. And yeah, okay, if you took on tutors, maybe you've got that waiting list can start to be worked with the tutors. But again, do you like admin? Do you like having to put, you know, I'll be totally honest with you for the beginning part of starting taking on other tutors, you will be down on money. And is mm. that, is that a good idea as we go into a, you know, a financial like recession? Probably not, you know? So I would say looking at the, the lie of the land right this second, that everyone should be looking at what they're currently doing, what they enjoy, and then how they can deepen their offering mm -hmm. in that sphere.
you know, that would be my suggestion. I love that. And and I totally agree with it as well. I think especially the phrase you used about like shiny object syndrome and and I think, yeah, sometimes when you start in certain businesses or industries that it feels like a, a route or a path that you have to follow. But I, I totally agree with you about that sort of idea of like a product ladder and actually, you know, like you say, helping people to come and work with you at like different levels and different price points. And yeah, and like you say, it's so, so much of the content that you have can just be packaged up in different ways for those different levels as well. So it's not like you're necessarily having to do like three times the work for three different services, um, but it's just the kind of the the touch point contact, I guess, that people have with you is what they're paying for. Exactly. I totally I think, agree. I think the only other last thing I would just say is that going back to what we were saying about social media and everything, if you are one of these tutors or one of these educators that's following a lot of tutors, especially if and I'm always a little bit conscious of this you know you want to post about the successes you want to post about the you know the opportunity the you know the ways that tutoring can has really because really truthfully tutoring has changed my life like absolutely categorically Mm -hmm. hands down but is that particularly helpful for people to see yes maybe in some ways that it gives them the confidence to say oh yeah look she's done pretty well out of this like maybe I could give that a go but then again that kind of um, support and whatever and that that maybe like the aspiration to do tutoring as your career um, it, it can also come with it lots and lots of little niggly things oh yeah but I'm not getting that many people or I'm not doing this or I'm not doing this. I'll be totally honest with you. During COVID, the first group lesson I had, I had two people turn Mm -hmm. up, right? And then by the end of COVID, because I just didn't care and I just kept showing up and I kept talking about it on LinkedIn and I was like, I'm absolutely loving this. This is helping my mental health by Mm. doing Definitely. Yeah, let alone the kids. And I'm not saying about yourself, but you know, you've got to make it work for you as an educator because when you're having a good time, the kids will be, you know, and they'll be like, oh my gosh, she's just loving life. She's uh, like, I find that really helpful or X, Y, Z, or actually, Lucy, what you said there didn't really help me. Can Mm. you give me in a different way? Because I know that you won't take offense to that. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm. I just, in a different way. But like, we all have to remember that it's about who you follow, isn't it? Make sure that you don't just follow all the people who are like seem to be smashing life and doing this and doing that. Because, you know, what you put on social media in terms of LinkedIn can often be very guided towards, you know, I put up negative things. You know, I I do sometimes, you know, say actually this really hasn't worked or I'm really disappointed that this lobbying effort that we did really hasn't worked and whatever. But I, I know that maybe that's not so helpful to someone who's just starting out. And so I think being guided by your network to have a real range of people is also so important so that when you're looking at shiny object syndrome and whatever, um, it's also about having a really measured approach to like remembering that everything people post is not the reality. And I'm really aware of that this year because, you know, professionally, I've had an amazing year. Personally, not such a good year. Mm. So it's it's very important that everyone just remembers that whilst one thing for someone, they may look like they're doing amazingly with groups, they may really not be having such a great time doing something else. So mm-hmm. let what people are posting put you off or put you off your little journey, you know, as an educator. Mm. 
Oh yeah. Again, we could so talk about this for another half an hour. Like as you were saying that, like a million examples are popping into my head. <laughs> but I no, I couldn't agree with you more. Like I, I so often say to people, like the happiest I am in my business is when I put my blinkers on and I've got no idea what other people around me are doing. Cause like you say, it's so easy to get caught up in other people's quote unquote success. And yeah, and you you feel like you should be doing what they're doing. And and actually I think that in itself is is another barrier that people put in front of themselves to stop themselves showing up on social media and, you know, being visible in their business because they feel like, you know, well, I don't have that success of the other person. I don't have those same stories to tell. So, you know, I've I've not got anything to give today. You start to feel that sort of comparisonitis and everything creeping in, yet the happiest I ever am in my business is when I've got no idea what anybody else is doing, you know, and I'm just, as you say, following your own journey. So I think that is that is such a powerful, helpful thing for people to remember. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lucy. I would love to have you back on the podcast again in the future, because as we say, there's uh, still so much stuff for us to unpack here. But yes, could you just share with us where uh, people can find you, any links or anything? And yes, where to get, find you on LinkedIn? Yeah, absolutely. So anyone interested in working like daytime work, um, education, beauty, that's what we spend specialize in is daytime one-to-one um so that would be educationboutique.co.uk any teachers that are looking for like any sort of more teachery roles maybe teaching internationally it's eteach.com anyone who just wants to chat definitely linkedin (laughs) lucy alexander spencer there we go (laughs) thank you and i'll put all those links in the show notes as well for people amazing thank you so much helen thank you so much lucy i'll speak to you soon Thank you for listening to another episode of the love mondays club podcast don't forget to review and subscribe or share this episode with one of your business friends for more information and support from today's episode head over to the show notes at lovemondaysclub.co.uk have a great week and i'll see you next monday